Good morning. I think the uh, remark that's always made by the former pastor when he comes back is, it's good to see all of you again, and I'm glad that as many of you have been partner paroled as has been. <laughs> I didn't expect to see you. God bless you. I, I want to thank you for your singing. I've really missed your singing. I knew the words. <laughs> I mean, I've been sitting in some services where we went through three hymns, and I'd never heard of them. Didn't have a hymn book either. I missed you singing. God bless you. I know the obligatory remark is I won't keep you long. I know you want to get ready and go back to eat, but I ain't going to say that because I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Let's be up front with you. I had the hardest time preparing this sermon that I have ever had preparing a sermon. It would be a sermon if I had time to tell you all that I've gone through this week. But I'm going, to free, I'm going to talk about heaven this morning. Now, we're very familiar with that term. Everybody has heard about heaven. Everybody knows there's a place called heaven, and the only thing we can really remember about it is the streets were paved with gold, right? And beyond that, we don't know a lot. So listen this morning, as we take a really good look at this word, there's few civilized people in the world that hasn't heard about this place, knew about this place. The word is used constantly in the secular world. They stole it from us. Everything in the secular world, you know, is a heavenly thing. It's in the hymn, it's in their songs, it's in, in, in things that uh, I wouldn't listen to if I had a choice. It's in, it's a, it's a common word. It's a common word. We'll say that. The bride's uh, dress was heavenly. Or the speaker at the graduation was a heavenly experience. Or we say that banana pudding is heavenly. You ought to get a bowl of it. <laughs> we make it a simple term. We say the graduation speakers were good and all of these sort of things. But my friend, listen. God has something to say to you and to me about this place. It appears, the word heaven appears 582 times in your Bible. That's how important it is. 327 times in the Old Testament, 255 times in the New Testament. It's a very important place. Christianity is our focus because that's where we hope to go. Now, I say hope because there's a lot of people playing church that are just hoping to go there. But listen, if you're not prepared to go, if you won't follow what I'll show you this morning, before you leave this building today and go back and get a plate, you talk to this pastor and he'll give you the plan of salvation. Don't let anybody leave here today not knowing where they're going if Jesus should come today. The first part of this sermon, I want to talk about that place, that place that we call heaven. After the Lord's Supper and after the washing of the feet, Jesus said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, we're familiar with this, but look at the place now that Jesus has prepared. What kind of place are we looking about, or thinking about? What is it going to look like? I don't want to confuse you about heaven. I want to tell you in a few moments about one place in heaven. It's called the New Jerusalem. 
this is not all of heaven. You know, we get caught up in what John is talking about, about the size of it and the length of it and all of that, and we think, well, that's all of heaven. Well, it's, it is 1,400 miles wide and 1,400 miles long and 1,400 miles high, and it's made out of solid gold. We know that. But listen, folks, there's a whole lot more to heaven than that. That's just the new Jerusalem that is going to come down. As a matter of fact, let me read that for you. In Revelation 21.1, John said, now he's in a vision. John said, I saw a new heaven and a new, and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. Remember that he's coming down out of heaven. Now, let's look at God's Word. I said it's 1,400 miles wide, long. It's like a cube. It's like a cube. How big is that? How big is that? Well, if you left right now to drive around the bottom, you would drive from here to Las Cruces, New Mexico, which is right on the, right on the California border, Las Cruces, and then you would go north, and you would go all the way to Missoula, Montana, before you stopped, and you'd be almost in Canada at the northernmost point. And then you would have to go east, and you would come east, if you would, all the way into our country, all the way to Bangor, Bangor Maine, right again, again, almost in, in Canada, and then come back to Thomasville. Now, uh, well, in our case here, come back to Pine Hill. But that's how big it is. That's how big it is. Now, if you sat that thing down on the United States, I tried to keep looking at maps this week to see if you, if you, everybody thinks that's coming to Jerusalem, right? It is. It is. But if you, if it's centered over Jerusalem, it's going to cover most of the countries in the Middle East. Most of the countries in the Middle East. That's how big it is. Listen, let me tell you how big this story is. It's the largest building that will ever be built on this earth. It's unbelievably large. By today's building standards, by the way that you would have to build a building today. By the way, the largest building, tallest building right now in, in, in existence, and it will be surpassed sooner or later, the tallest building in, in the world is, is in Dubai. All that oil money is there, and it's 125 stories tall. That's awesome, isn't it? 125 uh, stories high. But listen to this. John said, this is what, how high it is. This is what it'll be. Do you know if you build it by today's building standards, and it's 1,400 miles, do you know how many stories that is? Hold this in your heart. Now, this is on the test. Put, put this down. For 1,400 miles high, you would have 600,000 stories. You know, when I went to school, the awesome thing they would talk about would be the Empire State Building. It was 121 stories tall. This building, it came down out of heaven, the size of it, 1,400 miles square, would be 600,000 stories. That's a big building. That is a big building. Let me tell you something about it. The first thing is in John 21, 21, the one, the one thing we already knew about it, the streets are made out of gold. 
Verse 23, he says, there was no sun, no moon, and the glory of God gave its light. The 25th verse says there's no night there. The 27th verse in the A part says, nothing unclean will enter it. The C part of 27 says, only those written in the Lamb's book of life could come in. In the fourth verse, it says, death will be no more. There's no mourning, no crying, no pain, which means no cancer, no heart attacks, no strokes, no pain. But there will be plenty of room for all of us. Plenty of room for all of us. I don't know all the parameters of heaven, but I know those. They will, John had them measured for us, and we know how big it is, but it's just a part of where you're going when you die. Just a part of it. Now, in the Western world, you know, we like space. We like space. We, like, uh, we want our homes to have two, bedrooms, two bathrooms in them and three or four bedrooms in them and a living room, dining room. We don't ever use a living room, but you have a living room there, a dining room and a kitchen and uh, a sunroom if possible. You know, we want all of that. And there's plenty of room there for us. You know, the Bible says, in my father's house are many mansions. And that's what in the Western world we think of. I don't know what it'll look like. I wish I could tell you. I don't know what your individual spot will be. I've heard a lot of country songs about it. I've heard a lot of gospel songs about it. I've heard people think it was a cabin somewhere. I've even heard them sing a song that said, Bill mine next door to Jesus. That's about as egotistical as you can get. But let me tell you, that is the place. That is the place. We like, we like a lot of space. We like more than that. You know, I spent a year in Malone, Florida, in, in the Friendship Baptist Church as their interim. And I discovered something that's re really unique around Malone. Uh, over there, almost everyone has an outdoor kitchen. You know, it, it, it was a surprise to me, but almost everyone in that community has an outdoor kitchen. Now, some of them are very modest, very small, uh, where you can get out of the sunshine and have a place to cook. But some of them are mansions. I went in one. It's bigger than the house I live in right now. And it had a full kitchen in it. It had everything you could think of in the kitchen in there. It had two bathrooms in there. It had a sitting room. And they had a place of almost as honestly as big as this auditorium with a giant TV screen and all kinds of chairs around to make yourself comfortable. Now, that was a, just an outdoor kitchen. That's, a, that's, that's America. That's our thinking. We, we like comfort. We like comfort. We like space. We like things that are ours. Well, brother, let me tell you, where are you going? There's plenty of space. God has prepared it just for you. Just for you. Just for you. I want to tell you something about the body we're going to go in. That's the size of the place. Let me tell you about the body. In Philippians 3, Paul said, Our citizenship in heaven is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. All things to Himself. I have a note here I want to read you. I, uh, uh, this is about our resurrected body. Seven things. I couldn't get it in my sermon, so I got it in paper here. And I want to read them to you. 
first thing about our heavenly body, it's recognizable. You know, everybody wants to know, well, we know each other in heaven. Well, we're going to recognize those that are there. I can't tell you what, how we'll handle those that aren't, but I guarantee you we're going to know each other when we go there. I'm going to show you to, uh, one man that recognized men that had been gone from this world for over 500 years. Our heavenly body will be recognizable because Matthew in 7, 7 ones, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, there appeared to, him, the, to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish... I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, Peter recognized men that had been dead five or six hundred years. He recognized them by their closing. He recognized them by their presence with God. He recognized them. So don't worry about not being known there. The second thing is our heavenly body will be like Christ's body. In 1 John 13, 2, John said, we are, like, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know this, that when he appears, we shall be like him. He's going to be in that resurrected body. They knew him, didn't they? That's the kind of body we will have. And the third thing, the, the first appearance that Jesus made to all the apostle, apostles was that Sunday night after the resurrection, he had already appeared to the ladies and to Peter and maybe one or, more other, one or more others, but they were locked up in a locked room, and Jesus appeared in the room. Now, Wesley, listen to this. You know what he said? Have anything to eat? <laughs> Have anything to eat? That's what he asked. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish. It wasn't a Baptist meeting. If it had, there wouldn't be any broiled fish left. But he had a, a, a piece of broiled fish, and the Bible said he ate it before him. The fourth thing about our heavenly body is it would be unlimited by time and space. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, secure, where the disciples, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace to you. So his body just went through the wall. I told you it's not limited by time, space, and material. That's the heavenly body. The fifth thing is our heavenly body will be an eternal body. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 1 said, We know that if the tent, that's what he calls our, our bodies, if the tent that is our heavenly home is destroyed, earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And the sixth thing, our heavenly body will be a glorified body. Romans 8, 18 says, The glory that is to be revealed in us with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. And finally, our heavenly body will be a spiritual body. It's a, sown, it's a natural body. It is sown as a natural body and is raised as a heavenly body. That's what the body will look like. That resurrected body cannot sin cannot fall from grace, cannot be sick, cannot ever have a heart attack, can ever, ever, never have any kind of disease. He can never die. That's the heavenly body that you will have, and you will have it for eternity. 
Now I want to get to something that may be controversial. You know you're going to work in heaven? Does that hurt your feelings? <laughs> we don't think like think about that, do we? Well, I didn't either. Work in heaven is a surprise. It's unthinkable for some of us. See, we've been influenced by the, car, by, by the cartoons. You know, if, if, a car, if a cartoonist wants to show us heaven, he has a, the cow, clouds floating out there in space. And on it are Christians with little, uh, angel, little wings in the back about that long, you know. And we're sitting there with a five-string harp in our hands. And, and then we know instantly, what is he saying? That's heaven. Well, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Listen, in Revelation 14, 13, the Bible says, they shall rest from their labor. They shall rest from the labor. Now, I had to look that up because I didn't think that was right, and it turned out to be in the tribulation. Now, listen, Christian, if you're born again, you ain't going through the, through the tribulation. You know, when I read the book of Revelation, I read chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. That's the last time the word church uh, appears and it doesn't appear again to the 20th chapter. I ain't going to be there. I don't care who the Antichrist is. I don't care who the, who the beast is. I don't care about those things. I will be with him. I will be with him. If you want to struggle with the Antichrist, stay lost. You'll get your chance. He's coming. If that rapture happens in this service, every Christian will leave. Every non-Christian will stay. You can have the lunch. You can have the lunch. We'll eat the lunch up there. <laughs> I promise you, we'll eat one up there. But then you're going to face the Antichrist. You're going to face the Antichrist. We've been influenced by that, that robe flying around. Listen, the idea of having work in heaven is far and unacceptable. But listen, in John 5, 17, Jesus said, My Father is working and, until now, and I am working. I am working. In Genesis, God took Adam, put him in the garden. It was kind of like the first heaven. He put him in the garden. And what did he say? Work it and take care of it. Heaven is a place where we will do things for our Lord. I don't mean 40 hours a week. I don't mean hard labor. I mean a responsibility that we'll carry out. In Revelation 23, 3, the Bible says, His servants will serve him and we could never serve him enough for what he's done for us. And then finally, I want us to look at the gate of heaven. I should say gates. Because we always talk about the gate of heaven, but in Revelation 23, 12, 21, 12, heaven's wall around, the, around heaven has 12 gates made out of pearl. And these 12 gates are guarded by 12 angels. I have an idea that there's 12 tough, strong angels. Now, anyone wanting to go there has got to go through those gates. Listen, in Revelation 21, 27, God said, Nothing unclean will ever enter into it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the only one that can go through. The gates are there. They're guarded. And the only ones that can go there by God's word is only those written in the Lamb's book of life. And to underline that, in John 3, 7, Jesus said, you, and that's, that's plural, you means men and women, boys and girls, you 
must be born again. That's the ticket inside. It, he is, is now. It always has been. That's the way God had it. God will separate people at his gate. He's not going to go in that place. So as I said in the beginning, if you're not prepared to go, if you're not prepared for the trumpet to sound and you to go where you're destined to go right now, don't leave till you talk to this gentleman. He'll give you God's plan of salvation. He'll show you. This is very important, my friend. You're going to be where I've been talking about for eternity. Now, it's frightening a little bit. Let me tell you something. Listen to this. Jesus had a warning. You know, had a warning. You ever ask anybody, are you a Christian? And them saying, well, you know, my mama was good. And she, I went to church where when I was a child, or I did that. I was baptized when I was six. I don't remember anything about it, but you know, you can't, that's not a, that's not a evidence of salvation. Listen, Jesus had a warning how serious this is. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21 and following, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, here it comes, many will say to me in judgment, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do many mighty works in your name? Didn't we do all that for you? That's work theology, and it doesn't work. No matter how hard you work on earth, it doesn't matter if you lost. So he says, I will declare to them, I'll just have to say in your face, he said, I never knew you. I don't care that you say that, uh, that uh, you did prophesy in my name, you cast out demons in my name, did many mighty works in my name. Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I am convinced, ladies and gentlemen, that there's a grave danger working in our world today. They're outworking us in some ways. They're outworking us in many ways. I don't want to offend any of you that have uh, Mormons in your family, or, or maybe you are a Mormon, but I want to tell you something, brother. I appreciate the Mormons. They are the most patriotic people on earth. They fill the military every time there's a need. They're about as honest as you can be. They have, you want a good neighbor? Have a good Mormon. He'll be your good neighbor. He'll take care of your house when you're gone. If he tells you something, it'll be truth. But my soul hurts for them when the time comes because they don't serve the same Jesus I serve. But you know what? They're out on the streets working right now. They're out on the streets every day. They no longer run those little bicycles up and down the street like they did for 100 years, but they're out there outworking the Baptists. They're out there outworking us. Do we, are we on the street like that telling the good news about Jesus? No, we said, well, we pay the preacher. He'll, he'll, he'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. Some of our deacons will take care of it. That's what we say. What did Jesus say? You can tell me all of that, but I never knew you. I turned to the JWs. You know how they come to your house? You know, I had hardly moved in in Thomasville when I retired and went up there. I hardly moved in. And my, one of my first visits was from a JW family, a couple. The other day, I looked up and I saw this black couple coming up my driveway, immaculately dressed, both of them. 
And I knew right quick, you know, here, here's another visit from the, Mormon, from the JWs. So I opened the door, and, I, and, and they said, good morning, and I, sp- I responded. And the gentleman said, holding a Bible in his hand, have you ever read the Bible? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> he said, when do you read it? I said, every morning about 6 o'clock. Well, he said, uh, will you believe it? I said, yes, sir. And I said, one other thing. Did you salute my flag when you came up the driveway flying out there? He said, no, sir, we can't do that. I said, well, goodbye. <laughs> and, you know, they, they were very nice. They just nodded their heads, closed this Bible, and they turned and left. Now, no, the Baptists hadn't been to my house. I've been living there a year and a half. No Baptist has come to my house and said, where do you go to church? We'd like you to go to church. You know, I have a neighbor across the street from me. I've, her son, who was murdered many years ago, was a friend of mine. And I see her get up every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and she, she drives to her church. She's never come across the street and said, you go to church any place? How many of you have had a visit this week, last two weeks or somebody come to your house to witness to you? Raise your hand. All right, one. What's wrong with us? We're satisfied, aren't we? We like it. You know, we like it. But, brother, let me tell you, that's the, the, they're outworking us. These, these uh, prosperity theology churches are outworking the daylights out of us. I know when you come to the church, they got a band playing up here and the lights are off, the overhead lights are off and the lights are flashing everywhere and you wouldn't understand the songs they sing in because we don't sing those. They're not in the hymn book. And, but you know what? I guarantee you they're full of young people. They're full of young people. A couple of years ago when they closed the uh, the, the church up in, 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 in New York, because the pastor was immoral and having all kinds of affairs in the church, they had thousands of people attending every Sunday. I don't know whether they came for the band concert or what, but they, you know, they had a pastor that had one, one plan. Everybody that loves Jesus and comes to church and gives is going to heaven. Prosperity. You're going to get rich. You're going to get rich. You know, there's a group, uh, we, we, we hit, seldom hear about them down south called The Way. I met them in the military, The Way. Sounds good. Uh, they even have a Bible. One of the guys came by me one day with a Bible, and I said, would you mind me looking in your Bible? And he said, no, sir, you can't touch my Bible. And he wouldn't let me look in The Way, but I know what the theology is. You give, and you give, and you give, and you guarantee a place in heaven. Now, I've always said this. I believe this, too. You give all you want to. The church can use it, but that won't get you to heaven. It won't get you to heaven. Not giving may rob you of the, the, of the blessings that God is willing to give you, the rewards. I believe, in, I believe in degrees of rewards. I believe in heaven. God is going to reward us on the basis of what we've done with what he's get, the opportunity he's given us. I don't think there's going to be equality in heaven. I don't think it's vanilla in heaven where we're all going to be the same thing, singing the same thing, staying in the same place, going to the same thing. No, no. I think there's going to be degrees of reward. I'll do that. Invite me to come back next homecoming, and I'll do, I'll do one on degrees of reward. But let me tell you something, friend. 
God is going to reward you as a Christian. Not on how much money you give, and you better be giving God. Nobody here can ever say, I preached a sermon on tithing in my 12 years. Forever I was here, I didn't preach a sermon on tithing because I don't even use the word. It only appears two times in the New Testament. God says you give out of your abundance. So if you're sitting here making $150,000 a year and you put $10 in this plate today and you're satisfied, you cheated and you lied. Abundance. Now, all these people in the way and all these prosperity churches and talk about the more you give, the greater the, your reward's going to be in heaven. That's a joke. That's a joke. That is a joke. These prosperity churches are sucking away the young people because they have fantastic music. They have all kinds of famous people coming and playing or singing in the church and some of them speaking in the church. But let me tell you something. They never have a plan. They never have an invitation. They never have any a coming to Jesus time. It's a kind of a going to a concert. Brother, let me tell you something. This ain't no concert. I enjoyed you singing this morning because I've been missing it. But let me tell you something. It, it, as good as we sing, it's still not enough. We have to give him ourselves. We have to give him ourselves. Now, if you want to live in that place that I've talked about this morning, you have to give him yourself. And if you're here today and you're not prepared, let's don't leave till you, till you, till, 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 uh, you get it right. Let me tell you a little story. I was, after I finished seminary, I was pastor in Tifton. And uh, I went out to a friend of mine's church at uh, Zion Hope Baptist Church, just out of Tifton. If you're familiar with the area up there, you know exactly where it is. And it was a re- revival service, and, and uh, uh, not much happened in, in the service, and a bunch of preachers were there like me. And so we all out front talking, and uh, this guy came up and he said, I wanted to give my heart to God tonight, and y'all didn't give me a good chance. And, you know, we're mainly preachers standing there and the leaders of the church that hadn't gone cut out the lights and made us go home yet. And there we stood. And he had us dead to rights. But you know what we did? We got everybody we could and went back in the church, sang a hymn. The guy came forward. We, we, we did what you did, what we do, and sent him away. But I'll never forget. He came up and he looked at us and he said, you didn't give me a chance. I'm going to give you a chance this morning. Can we sing a hymn, preacher? Absolutely. All right. Wesley, come up and let's sing a hymn. Listen, folks, this thing is serious business. I mean, you can sing about heaven all you want to, but are you ready to go? Is there anybody there hoping you'll come? Do what God wants you to do as we sing.